welcome to the MindChimp Podcast. Hey Dave, welcome to the MindChimp Podcast. How are we doing? Yeah, really good, thank you. Enjoying being here in, uh, and listening to you over, over in Manchester from uh, over here in, in Michigan in the USA. Nice, nice. I keep forgetting you were over there, so we'll, de- we'll definitely touch upon that in a second. Um, what I tend to do first though, Dave, is I tend to ask my guests to pick six, uh, five numbers from one to a hundred. So if you could do that for me, that'd be awesome. Um, one. Okay. Eight. Okay. Twelve. Yep. Um, Thirteen. Okay. And 42. Perfect. We'll come back to them a little bit later on down the line. So I guess, yeah, Dave, I mean, what what I tend to do is I tend to ask um, my guests to summarise up, you know, a log line, a, a tagline about who they are. Can you remember Can you remember what it is you, yours was? Yeah, I had to work at it. I really like, I don't really like the idea as well. And it made me kind of, kind of think, um, but mine was pioneer to boldly go. And I kind of need the Star Trek music going there in the background. If you could superimpose that on afterwards, that'd be, that'd be really cool. Um, <laughs> I see what I can do. I can see what I can do. No pressure though. Yeah. No pressure whatsoever. Eh? So when we, when we were in school and the teacher would come up to me and go, okay, David, cause I'm sure we called you David. Um, when you grow up, what is it you want to be? Can you remember what you would say when you was a child? Oh, yeah, it, it, it certainly wasn't um, David. That was my mum. My mum used to call me David when I when I was in trouble. Um, <laughs> I, I always knew I was in trouble when, when it was David. It was in the same way that when I was 11 and a half, I would be, or even if I was 11 and a quarter, it would be, you're nearly David, you're nearly 12 if I was in trouble. And And... And then uh, kind of the other other way around. Sometimes it would play a, you know, oh you're a, you're only, you know, you're nearly twelve or you're only eleven. Um, but yeah, what I wanted to do when I was growing up was to be an Olympic champion. It was the time of um, Steve Ovitt and Seb Coe. And Steve Ovitt was my my hero, and uh, yeah, I I sort of uh, I sort of fell in love with with running and the idea of becoming the fastest person in the world even though I wasn't um that dream was a, a kind of a really big thing I it was it was also how I ended up becoming a teacher or part of a, it was becoming a teacher was uh it was a four-year degree so it was an extra year of being able to fit more training in and uh it's a yeah I'd love to have a a, a sort of really professional reason for, for wanting to become a teacher and wanting to make a difference and all those things that I have I have really enjoyed, but at the time it was just all about running. Really, that was all I cared about. Nice, nice. It's good to dream. It's definitely good to dream. So, oh, absolutely. So, I guess, I mean, you know, we we've spoken LinkedIn and stuff, and I think it was Amy Baval who introduced me to you. But maybe if you could, for the listeners, maybe give us a bit of a, a whistle stop tour to from kind of where you've come from to where you are right this second in, in your career. Like, and maybe, yeah, give us a, yeah. a quick whistle stop. So yeah, I I so I I trained as a, a, a to become a teacher as a, as I was saying, and um, I took my first job was only only for one term, and I thought actually that's that's kind of kind of good because if it if I don't like it, it's not too long a time. Um, but I realised that I really enjoyed working with young people, and it was a 
it, it was in a, a middle school. I was sort of teaching boys games. It's a sort of, it's kind of surreal to think of the way they separated it all out in those those days. I was teaching things like rugby and I ran the, the boys football team, although I did run a girls football team as well after school. And um, and then I had a class, my own class as well um, of sort of nine and 10 year olds. And I really, I started to realise I loved it. Mm. And I, I've had the most amazing career, Danny, where I've just sort of gone on this lovely kind of circuit of doing different things. I worked in France for a little bit, um, sort of learning how to paddle and I was hiring out pedalos and kayaks and Canadian canoes and things like that. So that was, that, that was great fun. Um, but yeah, I, I, I sort of, I, I came back from France and got really got into teaching and, and by chance ended up working with um, a group of young people who were, kind of really challenging some of whom have been excluded from their previous schools. And, uh, and I, I kind of, I, I, I was quite, quite good at it. And, um, uh, not at first, at first I just found it really confronting. Um, but I think what you kind of get from working with, with the sort of more challenging kids is, a you sort of learn learn a lot about yourself as as long as you're willing to sort of look in the mirror and um, and realise that actually you you know you can you can do something differently because quite often those kids it's harder for them to do that um, you know they've maybe had really really tough time growing up and they don't just need one chance they need lots of one chances um, but yeah that that was a really pivotal thing for me sort of working with those more challenging kids and, um, and, and one really, really, really wanting to make a difference to, to some of those kids. Cause I, I, I grew up in, in a way that was, um, quite, I, I, you know, I was pretty pri- privileged in, in lots of ways. And my, my mum and dad were both teachers. My mum was from, from my side though in, in, um, in Manchester. Oh yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, and she, she, had you know she was the first person from her family to go off to college um and you know not she certainly she certainly didn't have a uh what you call a privileged background and and you know we, we used to spend all of our holidays going up to manchester and uh it, it, was, it was great it was great I, I sort of i got to appreciate the things that i had through her eyes and and really sort of valued that so yeah and, and and I think sort of growing up, you 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 get to see so 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 many things, but you don't always um, you don't always realise how lucky you are, or you don't have always have those field of reference frame of reference because it's it's just your life. Um, but that was one of the really great things about going up to Manchester and and not only becoming a blue. Um, because we were, you used to hear that on match days, the roar of uh, of the main of main road. Um, but um, but yeah, I've really appreciated growing up by the sea and things like that. I grew up in Devon, uh, and from there, I, I I I sort of left teaching for for a while. I did advisory work. I I had a wonderful job where I worked in the science museum in Kensington, and um, that was really cool. And um, working with a neuroscientist and setting up a, um, a sort of working neuroscience lab and I was involved with 
developing the educational strand of that. That was really, really fantastic. And I was a head teacher of a, I've been head of, head of, of, of five schools. And uh, that was, again, something that I've, I've really loved doing and building a sense of community through those places has been um, a real privilege. And I've started, started two schools from scratch. Um, but, but most recently I've been over um, in, in America, in, in Michigan, and I've just been offered a job to, to come and work here and uh, work with some of, some of the, uh, the, the more um, uh, vulnerable youth over here. In, in sometimes in Detroit, um, but but the the company I work for, Way, or going, oh, I'm going to be working for, they 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 do some amazing things. Um, so really excited to to be having a, a new part of the journey as as, as well. Oh, nice, oh nice, and I, I kind of I've got so many questions I want to ask you about this, and kind of especially talking about kind of you know you, you set up two schools and stuff. But I guess going back into your you kind of your your log line if you like to boldly go it may mm. if you could make that break that down a little bit why, why that i think it's that i i've always loved trying to do things in a in a different way um that excitement of trying to work things out of and i think for me when i was first teaching i was, I was very shy and not very confident and so there was that sense of that was so out of my comfort zone um, having a, a larger group of of people, uh, whether it was thirty kids or you know, like taking an assembly. I remember doing that for the first time and my hands shaking. Um, but that bit of trying to push to something a bit like I, I suppose some of it goes back to that being a runner and as a as, as a sort of an athlete, I, you you're trying to push to get to get you know a personal best to. To do something that you've not been able to do before and seeing that progression and i i love that energy as well of a startup um of not knowing uh, it was great working with Bo, this neuroscientist at the science museum and i one of the things i realized about myself as a as a teacher and i think it's true of lots of teachers is that we kind of like to be in control so if a teacher likes to be in control a head teacher really really likes to be in control and and it's it's really limiting because you you're almost if you're not careful you start stifling the learning and and that's where working with this neuroscientist Bo he he was um he was most excited when he didn't know stuff it was like oh wow that's really cool why 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 is that happening and he's just really insatiably curious when he didn't know things so that's something I've been trying to really work on over the last I suppose ten years and. And and part of why I've come to somewhere completely different that I didn't know, and um, how exciting, how exciting that is. So that that being a pioneer, starting a school from scratch, um, going to 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 a new place, um, trying to push my own sense of boundary, not necessarily just what other people think is you know because it's so personal, isn't it? But, but yeah, that's that's the 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 pioneer part and the boldly go. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I, one of the things I'm really proud of is how I've grown to become sort of more more confident in myself as I as I, as I've grown up, and to push past the the barriers, the limitations that I had in my head of 
you know, I need to get things right or what if I get things wrong and all of those kind of things growing up, which used to really worry me. Um, and I, yeah, I really wanted to be James T. Kirk and to, to have sport on my side in that big chair and, and, and wobbling from side to side of the screen or doing sort of judo rolls across the, across the, the sandy floor, you know, that I love, that, I love that whole program. Um, I think it was, it was one of the things, one of, I've, I've got some really great memories of being with my dad and, um, uh, and as a, as a kid. And one of them was, I used to be able to stay up later than my sister for half an hour and watch Star Trek. And, and so that felt like a really, a really special thing. And he loved sci-fi. Um, but yeah, that was, so that kind of, um, that, that, that's the boldly go bit there. I, I, I used to love, love the start of that program and, and I, I can still go back and watch some of those episodes that I've seen over and over again and still enjoy it just as much now. Wow. It's, it sounds like, you know, just, just listening to kind of, you know, your whistle stop tour and stuff, it sounds like you've been on, on well, a wonderful journey. Um, I guess I guess probably what the way I'm thinking is is actually let's touch upon kind of the school education system if we can a little bit because I really mm. want to get into kind of your you know especially moving from say something like the UK to the states and and talking about these these schools and stuff but I guess from a from a school system point of view um, my background is in learning development so within the corporate environment. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, the closest thing I've done to kind of schools kind of stuff was I did, the, we have something over in the UK called a National Citizenship Service. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, so I was um, I was kind of, they took me away for three weeks and I had to kind of um, be like a mentor for, for three weeks to like a group of 20 kids. Um, well, young adults actually. Um, which was an absolute amazing experience. And I can kind of relate to that thing of you, you learn a lot about you, which, which, which was something I didn't think would happen if I'm being honest, you know, maybe it was my own ego, but maybe, yeah, kind of the school system is, is kind of always in debate and the education system. And, and what, I guess, what is your general take on it at the moment? That's a really, it's a, that's a big question. And I, and not trying to avoid it straight away um but but i i think when when you were describing that that bit about your experience of working with 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 young people and and learning things for about yourself um it's also i I think you know so often we 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 forget that learning happens kind of all all the time and those people that you you know that probably been your mentors and or somebody that interesting you meet down the pub or you know the, those people or experiences that end up shaping us and uh, you know our history then changes the way that we see the world uh, those people who, who who've impacted um that's nothing to do with school and i suppose that's that's my take that's my kind of link through really into the way that i see the school system because so often it's about regurgitation of information or or learning something that you don't really uh, apply in the real world or later on in life and you know I can remember loads of lessons that I had I can't remember very much of what I actually studied at school or ended up using very much of it and 
that just seems ridiculous to me that you spend that amount of time. So, so my take on the, the school system at the moment is we've kind of got a, a system that's, that's very, very slowly evolved out of Victorian era and has, has not really um, translated into a rapidly changing world. It's almost like in people's fear of, of the way that the world is changing, that they try to control that by making school more like it used to be than what it, what it kind of needs to be. And I think that's where things like, I don't know whether you come across the idea of project-based learning, but with project-based learning, you, you have a, a real context um, and a real purpose sitting behind it. And you, you, it might be that you're making something or, or doing something, but with a real bit of edge. So at the end of the, the, the project, you'll, you'll be sharing that learning or performing or doing something that, that, that takes it beyond just you and your teacher or you and a, a, a friend that you're working with. So if I give you a couple of examples, I, we had um, a, a sort of lovely project where we worked in, in my last school in, in Plymouth with um, Keir, the uh, building contractors, and it was around getting the kids to design the scaffolding wrap for this new building that was going up in Plymouth. So the kids had a real challenge of, of, of design um, that had some edge because they weren't, they weren't playing at doing something. They were actually doing it for a real purpose. Um, another example, we had, we, we had some, some great boat builders over, from, uh, over the other side of the water from the school because um, the school was literally about, I don't know, about 300 metres, 200 metres from the ferry port from the sea. Um, so our year sevens, our 12-year-olds used to be able to walk to France. And that was really cool. They'd go down at the end of the day and, and walk across to France, go over as foot passengers, buy things over there, bring them back, maybe even cook with the food that they'd been, that they, they, they bought over there. But the with being so close to the sea, that one of the, the 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 interesting projects we had was renovating some old 1950s um, firefly dinghies, and they were work, our kids, we had a group of kids working with with real craftsmen, and um, they this, they worked with this lovely lovely uh, guy and a lovely woman who who helped them to um, to renovate this boat, and they literally had to strip it right back. Um, do loads of repairs, gradually got it to a point where they could then test it in the water. But if you really want edge, um, you know, you, you, you know you really want to listen when you know that you're going to be sailing the boat. It's not like, a, oh, this is a pretend project. We're making a boat out of cardboard and we'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put a, a paper boat in a, in a bath and see if it floats and for how long. It was like, now we've actually got to sail the boat that we've made, and and so you really do want to make sure you're listening to to the um, you know the people that you're working with with that kind of expertise. So I I think that's where I would love to see more authentic learning and sort of moving away from things just being out of a book, but being realistic and kind of that that sense of great learning entering the muscle there's a papua new guinea in phrase that is learning stops being rumor when it enters the muscle and i think that's you know i think that 
you have those kind of experiences and you, you don't need to remember. You've understood something so deeply that it's not about just knowing something or having a skill. You have an understanding of something then conceptually that is kind of different. And I think, unfortunately, we're losing that in schools at the moment with teaching to the test. And, and that's not because we've not got great teachers, but because they're under so much pressure to get some of the outcomes sometimes that we miss the big picture about what learning is really about. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there kind of with the teachers, you know, I, I, I don't think there's a such thing as a bad teacher. I think it tends to be just a bad situation. Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I know a couple of teachers and kind of whenever I ask them kind of, you know, what's, what's the exciting stuff you're getting up to with the kids and kind of, you know, what, what, what is it you're actually doing and how you're making them ready for when they come out of, out of school and in, into the real world. And they turn around and say, we don't even think that far, to be honest. You know, we can lie and say we do, but fundamentally all we're doing is we're thinking for the next test and the next test and then the exams and then, and so on and so on. And I guess <clears throat> it's, it's sad. It's, it's sad because... I don't feel let down by the school system. Sorry, go on. Dave. No, I, I think that one of the sad things about it, Danny, is that when you look at a three or four year old, they naturally, you know, they're very curious and they, they're, they're into everything. You don't have to get them to be, you know, to, to motivate them to be excited by something. They'll, they'll, they'll find something exciting in just about anything like, 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 you know, it's the way that they're more interested in the box at Christmas than the, the, than the present um, or playing with the wrapping paper or they just find things in, in the way that they see the world. And I think the, there's a danger that, um, that, 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 that gets lost in, in, in school. So it's inherently there in, in, in very young kids. And, and, and I agree with you. It's not the teacher. We've got great, teachers so people who work so hard so dedicated for the young people um but what we do need to to do is to give people the to, to build in space um not just to learn a skill or to know something but to to create really meaningful experience so that so you know if you're if you're somebody who's growing up and maybe hasn't had some of the life chances that that, that some people have had you you, you've got a chance to start to feel good about yourself because you realise you've made something for your community. You know, those, those boats that were were renovated, they were the, they then became part of a sailing programme for the community. Um, so those kids felt really proud of what they had achieved. Or, And it can happen at a young age. You know, I, I've seen eight and nine-year-olds, um, you know, sort of colouring um, parents on an exhibition night when they're, they're Say, oh, you come over, and I want to tell you about what I've made and what I've been doing, and and what you know, and and not just their own parents, but just people they don't know. But they're so excited and so proud of what they've done. And then the more they learn to do that, the more they develop those kind of that confidence to speak in front of groups, which I know I really lacked, and I think many people find that intimidating. But if you do it at a young age and you you develop those skills to learn how to navigate a project, to deal with not knowing, you know, good education means you know what to do when you don't know. Um, I, I think I think those are things that, you know, we could do more to support our teachers with and more to support our kids with by, by not having some of the rigidity in the system that we've got. So I guess I, I agree. And I, I'm just sat listening to you here now, David, and I'm thinking, 
how do we make that change? You know, kind of, you know, and while this isn't predominantly about the school system, this podcast, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of interchangeable between the school and education system and the corporate environment. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, take out the people who's in there, the, the demographic of people, the age. I think what you see, what you still see in corporate environments is fundamentally what what you still see in schools. The kids are sat down in front of a teacher, the t- teacher's talking at them and, and trying to engage. But fundamentally, it is that thing of once you leave the class or the training room, how much of it is remembered? Not a lot. How much do we care about it? Probably even less. So, mm-hmm. but but how do we how do we make that that shift from kind of where the schools are now to where we want them to be? And kind of yeah. what's the biggest barriers with that? I think we've got to think differently about the process of of how to get the best out of people. I, the way that I'm working for at the moment, they they talk about engaging and enabling um there's a real focus on that for 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 them and and it's not just uh, you know sort of superficial in terms of a couple of words but it, it, it really thinking through about well what does that mean in terms of a culture um that you're trying trying to create and i i think so i if i think of my 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 moments when i'm i've been worst as a leader um it's often because i i feel like i know more Oh, I, I really want to tell people things. And, you know, the, the, the deeper, you know, and I'm not saying you should never tell people things. That's, that's sometimes really helpful. But you, you, the more profound and, and memorable and lifelong aspects of, of learning really come from, from that sense of discovery and, and creating the, the environment where it's okay to discover things means it's the antithesis of a, a school culture where you're supposed to get things right. Teachers are supposed to know things and kids are supposed to get things right. So the kids start trying to guess what's in the teacher's head. The teachers try to tell them the, the more. The head teachers are trying to tell the teachers how to tell the kids. You know, it's it's really flawed because it's not really about about learning. And I think that can that could that isn't about schools like you're suggesting. That's is true for the corporate uh, you know sector. Uh, any. Yeah. And and being an entrepreneur, you know, it's how do you develop that culture of being excited by what you don't know, um, or giving the space to enable people to to really think about. I, I wonder what this might be. Um, you know, Bo the new, Bo Lotto, the neuroscientist I work with, used to talk about why and what if. What, why is that happening? And what if it's to do with this? Um, and I think that's where. You know, it's, it's like there's an element of mindset that you're that you're really trying to facilitate, so that when something doesn't work out, and obviously there's that edge in business, there's that there's the edge in education, but but we've got to think really carefully about. It, we can't say yeah, it's okay to get things wrong, and then it plainly isn't. Yeah. So, it, it, I think it's turning the the, you know, I think that's what a good project does is it it turns it from being right and wrong into that sort of that aspect of what have I learned? And as long as I don't keep on making the same mistakes over and over again, and I'm genuinely moving forward based on the experiences I've had, then that's, that's a great, that's a great thing. That's a great outcome. And if you start to realize that actually things can go wrong and 
it's it's a good thing sometimes when things go wrong. You know, some great things can come out of that. You, I think it makes you a stronger person and more resilient and and probably more productive in a lot because it's so easy to to get stifled by that fear of failure. So, so I guess when when I'm thinking back to kind of um, and just listening to kind of you know the stories which you mentioned there about kind of you know with the boats and stuff, I guess. It sounds like your approach is very um, experiential, kind of, you know, a lot of experienced design is, is kind of cooked into it, you know, whether whether that's directly or indirectly, but it, it's, it seems like it's heavily built within that. And I guess one of my questions is, is I was having a, a debate. No, it wasn't really a debate. It was a conversation. I was having a conversation with, with one of my friends. I was like, look, here's the thing. If you have two teachers and you have one teacher who sticks by the book and follows everything to the letter and then you have one teacher who bends to rules changes the environment induces more you know brings in more play more curiosity and both teachers fail the one who fails and who did things differently would be the one for the chop not necessarily the one who followed everything by the book mm. so is that is that a fair statement or is that or would you say that's not um I don't. I don't know. And I. I. It's, a, it's an interesting question. I guess. I guess that what there's a couple of things that I that, that I start to think about when I when I'm sort of processing that. One is, I think there's an important part about being in integrity as a teacher, and some people, you know, may genuinely believe that I should be doing things by the book. Then what they're that they have that's their kind of process for how they they work and um, and that and it's it's more structured and it and, you know and there's an element where some aspects of of that can can work really well well for them i mean the the silly example would be to say you don't want to learn to cross the road experientially yeah. you know it's like oh no that didn't work uh, it, <laughs> oh no you can't try again yeah you know so that that's not a great strategy and but the other, if I go to the flip, I feel like I'm, I, I love that in terms of that being that pioneer or initiating something that really plays to my, to, to, to my strength. So if I, if I'm not being like that and, and working in an environment where I can do that, it's not going to work for me because I'm more of an, an initiator. And then there's probably a group in the middle that are, they, they kind of really great at mutating from from one form to another. And um, so, so, so part of that that you know what what will work isn't just what's going to be judged by someone else to be successful. It's also how you judge yourself to to live the life you want to lead. And you know, I think. You know, I've seen plenty of people over the years in all walks of life that they're just doing their job, but they're certainly not being in a great way when they're doing that, Yeah. Uh, when, they're, when they're existing. So, and I think the other part of it is is being confident about how do you, what, what sort of success do you value? There's a, there's a lovely uh, sculpture by uh, Jan Faber, um, Based on um, the Birdman of Alcatraz, who apparently said when he was leaving, was allowed to leave um, Alcatraz, and was asked, "What, what are you going to do?" and he said, "I'm going to measure the clouds." 
And I kind of I love that statement. And if you if you have a look at the the the, the sculpture by this guy Anne Faber, it's it it's this it's this bloke standing up and with his arms stretched up with this ruler, like he's measuring the the, the clouds. And and I think there is something about if you're trying to put a you know can you put a value on everything? Is it just about the value of the test, or is it about actually that person? You know, maybe the kid in that other that who worked with a really interesting teacher who did different things for some of those kids, maybe that would have sparked something in them that actually maybe I didn't do well in the test, but I learned something about myself, and and actually that's that stood stood you know stayed with me in a different way. Um, so it's a, it's a really good question, though. Yeah, I just think kind of. And I'm I'm playing devil's advocate on this one, Dave, to be honest, is so say we go to more of this kind of, you know, this future focused and kind of, you know, giving our young people or we're just giving our people the skills what we need to kind of exceed at life. And we go more towards this kind of like you say, this project based kind of, you know, this focused on project based and, and how how would how would that look? Because, you know, I guess we we know the way this assessment works in schools is go through school, have an exam, um, maybe a bit of coursework, exam, and then kind of you walk out and you go, right, to there, there you go, you've passed AC, ABC, yeah. whatever, whatever. So if you could kind of rip that completely up, how would you, and I'm going to call it an assessment because, uh, yeah. yeah, but how would you How would you do that? How would you, if I said to you, right, Dave, change the school system and change how we yeah. we can justify whether someone's going to be successful and how we've prepped them for life. How would that look? I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking as well about the the other question as well. It's really, st- it's really sticking in my head that one. I think you are more vulnerable if you do things differently, because because I think what happens is that if something goes wrong, it's easy to pin it on the fact you've done something different. Um, and I think it takes time to to evolve different practices, and I think also it makes a difference about who you're around and what the climate is and how it judges those things. So, yeah, th- thank you for asking that. Well, that's going to haunt me for 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 a good few hours after this. I'll be thinking <laughs> about that one. But but in terms of assessment, I think that the the lovely thing about the word assessment is the root of it is to sit alongside. And so in many ways, you kind of want to to be alongside more. I think, you know, rather than assessing less, if you look in a, um, if you go to watch really little children working with an amazing early years teacher, and I've been really privileged to work right across the board from, you know, sort of, you know, preschool through to, to, to uh, set, right through secondary. And, and I, and I, I absolutely in awe of of um you know sort of the reception and preschool teachers because it's to me it's like the dark arts it's 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 like herding cats i i i get what you're supposed to do but it's it's really impressive the way those 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 teachers work with with a young person but they they kind of they let the kid get into something and the the great teachers there for me they're coming alongside and they when the kids absorb, that's when they're asking their questions. That's when they're stretching the learning, and so that so it's got a real context. And I think that's what happens as you get older. And you know, I think again, when you 
when, when you, whether it's in, in the workplace, at university, at college, or in secondary school, where, how old you are, those, what, I, what I think good teachers do is they have a set of criteria that, that they're working with and that it's not hidden to the student. You know, the young person is aware of what great looks like. And then it's a conversation around, you know, where where do you think you are at the moment, and how how do, you know it's assessment to improve rather than to prove where where you are, and it's that bit of how you know not just knowing what you've got to do to 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 get better, but how you would go about it. And I think again, that's that's what I think great teachers and mentors do. Um, they they, you know, and, and there isn't a set way of doing that either. I, I was thinking, I watched this film the other day of a, a guy that taught me um, to run the rescue boat of when I worked in France. And the really interesting thing about it is a bloke called Jim Chapter. I, I don't think he's alive anymore. Um, and, and Jim was quite a hard taskmaster, but he would tell you exactly what was needed, why it was important. Um, you know, he'd show you, but then he'd let you struggle. And, you know, he, he, he'd make you feel a bit uncomfortable. But I think he judged that, depending on who you were, of just knowing how far he could push you. Um, and, I, again, I think what, what sometimes a good teacher does is they see the potential in somebody before they see it in themselves. And, you know, particularly, I, th- I think that's true of, of good leaders as well, good good people in business they they see something in something before maybe others do yeah i think i think it's like you know it's, it becomes this personalized approach more than yeah. more than anything i think i was having a conversation recently and we was talking i was with one of my clients and we was talking about oh we need to put this in place and we need to put that in place I'm like no you just you need to you need peer-to-peer you need a community you need a, a sharing yeah. a place to share you don't need next i mean don't get me wrong i'm i'm big on on tech digital and kind of you know innovative mm. approaches um but i'm also i'm much much bigger on kind of peer-to-peer and community yeah and yeah it's an interesting one but i guess one of the questions which just kind of sprung to mind listening there is we we know kids and tend to be naturally curious and and, and i can I'm, I'm lucky in that respect and i think it's down to my parents and the people who's around me, I've kind of kept my curiosity, you know, and I kind yeah. of say, you know, the best question is that kind of why, why is it that way? Why can't it not be done this way? You know, and, and kind of that thing of how can we break it to build it again? Um, but do, do you think, why is it you think, I mean, I mean you might not, but do you, why is it that as children we have this bags and bags of, of curiosity and play and then, you know, when we get when we get older and we have to kind of go into this corporate environment, why do you think it kind of gets overlooked? Mm. I think I think that there's a well, there's a Chinese artist Ai Weiwei who who says that creativity can only be unlearned, and and I think that's probably um, that you know the, the 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 nature of that um, and of 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 what's happening in 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 that situation of why why young young people you know it's it's like being curious is part of your job description when you're four years old it's not a it's not like an optional extra that you've had to work at it's it's who you are and um 
again, if you think about play, play is a very natural way of, of learning and not the sort of play of, of a game with, with rules, but that playfulness of, that you see in an animal, like a kitten or a, a little puppy. Um, you know, I, I, I was watching some foxes um, the, other, the other morning, the fox cubs, five of them with their, with their mother, and they were, you could just tell they were having a blast. And they were jumping up on a fence and rolling around and all of this thing. And, and, and that's how they're naturally learning. And I, I think that that's where sometimes school can be unhelpful um, or a, a culture in a, in a business or organization can sometimes be unhelpful too, because sometimes it, it will just, it, it takes away that, that natural, um, process of being curious and you know i i can see in a six-year-old in many schools in in england that they're they're already playing the game where they've worked out the teacher is asking a question and it's a a retrieval question of of uh, uh you know where they've got to guess what the teacher's got in their head and um, there's a guy I used to work with um Rick Meek and he he was a he, he talked about this idea of having killer questions. And so rather than the retrieval question of who killed Tybalt, you know, the sort of killer question is who's responsible for Tybalt's death. And ones that got you got you know, ones you've got a very simple answer, the other one you could spend weeks talking about. And I think that's yeah. again in terms of how you build that for young people, for um you know that culture in a business. I, I was uh, I was up in um, I, I went to a garage sale yesterday. We were just driving by in this place called Traverse City, in North Michigan, out in the middle of no nowhere. Um, and Lake Michigan is huge, incredible place. And he was talking about just different ways that they they created within their company to to improve it. And one of them was. That, that people that there was an expectation that everybody shared um, uh, an idea. I think it was every quarter of something that was kind of bugging them and annoying them, but not just that what was annoying them, but what they thought might help and make a difference. And he was describing how in this um, with this engineering company, they, this guy had said it really bugs me that this. This and it was a bolt or something that they were making. This piece they were making, and it it was it had been um, manufactured the same on both sides. And he it said, but when you actually screw this thing in or put it in the in the machine, you only see one side. So why do we make it like that? It would save the amount of time is need, needed to go into this machine process. And and this guy said, you know, this was somebody who was on, um, you know, working about I don't know twelve dollars an hour or something. It was not it was not a highly paid job. He was then saving tens of thousands of pounds every year. I mean, it was it, every sorry, it was over ten thousand pounds a month. So over a year and years to come, huge savings he's made. And you know, it just gave that as an example. But but do we do we really enable and engage people into that 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 way of of, of thinking and capitalize on um, you know the great ideas that everybody has and that that difference of seeing things differently is 
is always something I feel like I've learned a lot from kids because they they've got this wonderful kind of naive way of seeing things that that you yeah just op- it opens up the, the the you know the the world in a different way than you were perhaps thinking as a teacher who's trying to make a point. Yeah, it's. I think uh, one of the kind of the things we do as adults is put a process there. You know, yeah. if, if, a, if you know if a child was to say, why 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 is it we're doing that? We just kind of say it. It's it's a, it's a genuine question where. You know, if we were to put this into a corporate environment, there'd be a process in where you've got to answer the question. There's a filter you've got to put on it so you don't appear that you're coming across as aggressive with, you know, calling somebody's idea bad. Then it'll go through this chain of email Bob to email Sue to... And we, yeah. and it, it becomes this kind of really, like, drawn-out process when basically, like I say, you know, it's just a question. It's just a, It's just a question. Yeah. And there's something really powerful about asking questions. You know, I, again, in a really good project, you you tend to have this driving driving question that that, um, that you know driving question that people um, can can really inquire into and really um, re- really make you know it just it kind of holds the whole whole thing together. Yeah, and it is. It makes you stand back, and it's when somebody asks you a good question, you 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 tend to you naturally just re-examine things. I think. So, I mean, I kind of want to get into kind of the schools which you've created. So, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you could quickly tell us about what what they are, and then I can kind of start getting into that a little bit. Yeah. Um. Well, the one of them's uh, I co-founded a school called School for Inspiring Talents. Uh, it's based in Devon, um, and it's for um, young people that maybe have had a very hard time in the in the in the school um, the school system. Don't fit in particularly easily. Uh, maybe have been excluded, um, and um, and and typically won't be able to get a place in any other uh, any other setting. So we. we Myself and uh, a group of others, we were trying to set set this up, trying to get um, local authority and central government to to fund it. And um, unfortunately, although we got to an interview with 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 the Department for Education, we weren't successful. Um, and then then managed to to be able to um, obtain some some funding from. Uh, uh, you know, wonderful person who who wanted to invest in in, in the in the school and um, Mark Escott, who was is the other co-founder. Um, you know, Mark did an amazing job at, at then bringing that school to to life and reality, and is making a huge difference. Uh, it's the it's the UK's first uh, trauma informed school, and um, he's doing a yeah, he's doing some amazing things as are his team at the, at the school. It was lovely to be a part of the, the starting of that and, uh, and seeing something grow from an idea into a reality. The, the other schools, the uh, school in Plymouth, Plymouth School for Creative Arts, now uh, I was there for six years. And again, it, I mean, it grew from, we had just over 90 kids on day one, with over a thousand students now, and uh, seeing the, that project-based approach take hold there was was a wonderful um experience really really challenging because you're 
you're you're you're you're kind of making it as you're going. Um, the 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 rate of of growth and expansion was, you know, provided some real challenges of things that you thought were working well, and then actually as you scaled up, you know, needed to be to be reexamined and and you know just just that process of of, of the amount of staff that you ended up um, having in your team. Um, of helping that, that them build a picture of the the purpose of the school, enabling them to feel that they could kind of really really do the things that they 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 were great at, but also trying to create a thread that that held it all together. It was some, it, it was a lovely uh, a lovely privilege, very demanding, um, and something that I I learned a lot from as as I have done with all the schools that I've been involved in. I. I, I was involved in a, a, a really interesting school, a village school um, called Black Orton. Um, and we did some fantastic things there. Um, the, you know, sometimes you, you can get things to go far enough that, that even when it doesn't fit the existing framework, you know, people can still see it. And, and the Ofsted inspector there said, that, you know, writing a, Writing the report on your school is like trying to paint a Rembrandt on the the back of a postage stamp. Because you say your school doesn't fit the the criteria, but but he could see it was great, and you could see it in the kids. And it, yeah, that was that was that was special. That was the school where I I first met um, Bo Lotto. He was a parent at the school. And he's a, he was this guy as a neuroscientist, and we. Um, we we created the world's youngest published scientist, and Bo came to speak to me. Well, he came in to speak to the kids first of all about being a scientist, because as a school we were trying not just to to, to learn science; we were trying to to be the scientist, be the artist. And um, he he talked to the kids about what it was like, and then he came up with this idea and shared it with me about well maybe we could get young kids to to create their own original science experiment. And it, it was absolutely fabulous, and we we sort of immersed his his specialism. Well, one of his specialisms is around perception, and about the way that he did lots of work with bees about the way they would see the world. So we got the kids to to imagine being bees and to 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 move around as if they were bees, and and just and and we it was very very playful. And then we started getting them to to solve solve puzzles. And what Bo was, was working with the kids around was the idea that, you know, when you when you create a, a, a science experiment, you create a puzzle um, for for the bees, and then you watch how they 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 play that game, and you see what you can learn from from that that observation. And so the 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 question that we had for the kids was, well, what's the game that you're going to get to create for the for the bees? Bearing in mind they can't play football and they you can't explain the rules of monopoly. You've got some challenges there to to think about a puzzle that doesn't require language to be set up. And the kids came up with some great ideas and 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 and, and the naivety that they were coming up with was generating questions that I know I just I I couldn't have done on my own if I I I, I would have been in a room a long time to think of anything as good as what they were coming up with and. I remember one of the kids saying, "Can bees count?" I thought, "God, that's a great, what a great question!" And then Bo would be answering as if he was the 
sort of walking embodiment of a literature review and saying, yeah, well, I know somebody who's working, you know, out in California, they've done some research on this and actually, yeah, they can kind of count, but not in one, in terms of one, two, three and things like that. But, but long story short, we got the, 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 the kids created, um, an original, a question, an original, um, experiment and Bo acted as a sort of a technician to help them handle the bees. And, um, they got, we, they got some really great data out of it. And obviously, because it, was, it wasn't like a, a school experiment where it's a recipe and you, know, you really know what's going to happen. Nobody knew if it was going to work and, or what was going to be the outcome of, the, of this. And the, these kids made some findings about the bees and the way they were seeing things and the, the, the importance of space. And, um, and then they had their work published in an academic peer review journal. So we had um, eight, nine and 10 year olds sort of working at a kind of a master's level through this sort of carefully scaffolded uh, uh, approach, but it was so playful and so much fun. Um, but yeah, that, that gives you some information about some of the schools that I, I've been in and the, the one that I'm, I'm in now with, with, with developing a, uh, developing online schools and the, the 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 people down here in way have done some great work already uh around that and to to you know you were talking about personalization and help uh, i think it's helping people really draw on that personal aspect of personalization um and the recognizing that some people's life experiences might mean that they need to learn in a different way so this school literally has a teacher uh, or a mentor there 24 7 right through the night or any time um and they they do that to support you know the youth that maybe are in a position where actually i i, I really feel like i need to stay at home because i'm so worried about my dad or you know where my mum is or what's going on or actually my own you know to support my own health needs uh, maybe I can't actually physically get into the to, to, to the school, and so I, I'm 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 really enjoying that opportunity to to consider what an online school could be, and how uh, by doing something differently, it's pushing me to think differently about how you might support a learner. So, like I know in the school, I I spend a lot of time thinking about the physical environment and working with teachers around that and and. You know, you might work with some young people around it, obviously as well, because they've got it. You you want them to own, engage into that that process. But but how do you, what do you do when you haven't got a, a building? Um, but I, but I think there's still the, the same principles still apply. And so I've been working on on how we could be having conversations with young people to so that they maybe have a think about just like I would enjoy having a meeting where I'm walking, or that I'm not always sat down, or that. You know, for me, if I'm if I need to really concentrate, I won't be by a window because I just get distracted by everything that's going on outside. And that's different for different people, obviously. But helping build an awareness so uh, so that people can, um, yeah, create create a new understanding for themselves and take responsibility. Wow. Okay. So I've I've got a few just thoughts, but that is just firing up in my head. Then, so I think. Um, what an awesome, what an awesome challenge that is. Like, uh, yeah, that's, that's the type of work what people would love to, to do. I think that's something what would get 
would personally get me out of bed every morning and all that. Because, I mean, it, one of the things, Danny, is you, you don't, you know, I, I would hate to see, like you were saying about technology earlier, I'd hate to see kids plugged into a computer. But the fact that they haven't got a building means that, okay, I'm going to learn about habitats today. Right, well, where do I go? I go, I don't, I don't open a book. I don't look online. I go outside. And, and how, how you could have an online school that uses that kind of blended approach but is really agile and, and tailored towards a personalization and, and, you know, personal need is, I think, ever so exciting. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking kind of, I mean, when the tech is needed, it needs to be kind of one of like, like a consumer grade experience, you know, but remove the friction yeah. from the tech. Um, you know, yeah. I, I kind of use this thing of kind of, you know, no one's ever told you how to use Facebook or Instagram or into it, wherever. Yeah. You kind of just picked it up because it's it's seamless. Yeah. It's frictionless. You see, the, tr- the trouble is that when it, when, if you if you introduce a, a new platform or, or or piece of kit for a teacher, the, the, their, their immediate response is, well, I have a course to do that. And it, and it's exactly you're exactly right. You know, I didn't I didn't go on the iPlayer course, the Facebook course. You 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 play and you you learn and you share and you you search. You're curious and you know that's not to say that it's not ever help not helpful to sit alongside someone. But it, I th- I think sometimes the things we think we need aren't necessarily what we actually do. Yeah, and it's interesting to see that this probably I don't know how to put this, so I'm just going to say how it is. But the order the older generation putting their problems on the, the new generation's challenge. So, mm. you know, it's, it's like you say, you know, bringing that in and, and the, the teachers, I'm using old generation, but it's not. But I need to go on a course. Well, actually, modern modern learning, modern workplace, whatever you want to call it, actually, we're removing the courses as quick as possible. It's performance support. Yeah. It's kind of, actually, just, just tell yeah. me what I need to know, you know. I think it's Boeing. Boeing used simple things like a checklist. Um, there's a great, mm. there's a great book called the Checklist Manifesto. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of they use they use checklists as a performance support. Like we can tell you how to use a plane, but you you really don't need to know. You just need to know how to make it work in his day to day. So here's yeah. here's a checklist or here's right. a performance support. And sometimes as well, if you limit, you know, I I think. There was a lovely, really great teacher that I worked with, a guy called Ash Todd, and Ashley, he got some um, uh, a, a 3D printer and some new software for it. And and rather than get it, and he'd already had a play, and rather than him sitting down and teaching the kids how to use it, he just said, well, could you go, go and play with it, see what you find out? And, and they found a whole load of different things than he would have found out. So yeah. it was... It, it not only supported their learning in a deeper way, but also it supported his own learning by his him having the confidence of somebody who was really good with technology, but still could stand back and let let the learning happen. Yeah, and it it becomes this kind of I, I call it it's, I'm going to use reverse mentoring, but it's not it's not a great term. But it's kind of this reverse, like the younger the younger generation are picking stuff up and kind of you know it becomes this search and discover rather than this directed here go here this is what you gotta do and i think that's yeah. that's kind of where we see some of the best ideas right in life you know we see a challenge and yeah. we go actually i'm not going to tell you how to fix that challenge you go and remix and i'm using amy Bavall's term here go and remix yeah. and, and figure out a way just because that tool is made for that it doesn't mean you can't tweak it and make it something 
for something else. Yeah, definitely. And, and 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 that's not to say you don't need to learn, you know, some basic skills and 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 and, and develop those so that you can apply. But sometimes by by having that context of I really want to be able to do this it drives you to to learn those things differently um, whether it's writing through blogging about something you do care about rather than being asked to artificially write a letter to somebody that's imagined and you know those kind of things that sometimes we do in school um yeah i think it's it, it, it is it's interesting how you blend and develop that in a way that that works for different people and some people are very good at catching things just in the ether and some people need a different structure to enable them to get to the point where they feel really ready to play. Um, it's, it's a fascinating part of, of our uniqueness as, as, as human beings. It's just, I just can't, I can't help. So I'm doing a talk in June um, and I'm talking about how we need to be looking at a human centered design approach with experience yeah. design and then a consumer grade experience. It's like this freeway thing, what I've designed my flow of how I design. And I can't help but think yeah. this is kind of what it sounds very, where it'd be a great example. But I guess the thing what's jumping out of my mind is it's kind of, it's, you, you're giving, you're giving the, the children or whoever, it's a bit like shaping your own adventure, design your own journey. It's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm, I shouldn't really be ideating when I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it kind of becomes this kind of shape your own adventure, design your own journey. It's, I don't know. I what I like... love that just happened then, Danny, is that, you know, there's those, you see, there's a moment then when when you you become curious, you start to make connections in in ideas. And, and, in, and, in, and that's what you, you know, as somebody who's skilled at interviewing, that's what you have to do. But, but there's also there's that lovely energy of actually I can't help but get excited by something sometimes I've just seen something that I really need to to think about or to say or to talk through and I think I think that's the, the there's an energy that comes from that human centered approach where if your needs are being met where you've got a sense of being valued there's a sense of attention or you know, I can, I, 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 whether it's social connection, I've got a sense of control in my life because nobody likes to feel everything's completely chaotic. But if you start to have those those human needs being met, you you create the environment then for for all those other things to, to to really work. And again, I think in business and in schools, it's it's easy to to lose sight of of the of that as a platform. You know, in terms of in terms of needs and it's if you really pay attention to those things then you you draw out all of the well you maximize the resource that people undoubtedly are wow i'm I, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be thinking about this problem tonight i know for a fact i am now I'm, it's not a problem i'm gonna be thinking about your challenge i'm just gonna be scribbling i know <laughs> for a fact i am um but, <laughs> but i guess yeah so i mean let's move a bit sideways so these next couple of questions they're going to be a bit quick fireish, um, yeah. but we're not. To be honest, if you want to go deeper in them, feel free. And you can apply them to kind of your personal or your professional life. It, it's either either or. Yeah. Okay, so I guess the first question is, if you was to give a, um, a book as a gift to five people, what book would it be? Oh, that's, that's really hard. Oh, I don't. 
Oh, I really don't. I really don't know. I, I, there's so many books that, oh, and, I, and I'm a really slow reader as well. That's the other thing. So I tend to have a book for about, I read quite a lot, but I read bits of things rather than the whole, the whole book. Um, yeah, I'm the same. So oh, I, I have um, I, I have dyslexia and dyspraxia. So yeah, I'm the same. I, can, I, mean, I enjoy I struggle, reading. I struggle though with even if this was a film, we were talking about which film would you get to buy <laughs> people? Because I, I probably would would choose a film for the person that I you know sometimes you watch something and you think oh wow that's great so and so they oh they're going to really like that and I think it's maybe similar for me with a with with with, with a book I I'm really struggling to think of. Of of one, one that I was okay. Can I can I change yeah. the question then? Yeah, go on. Yeah, and, and and these questions are particularly hard. Um, so do not worry if if you you know struggling to think of them. That's the idea, I guess. If you yeah, used to give yeah. um a gift to a child, what gift would it yeah. be and why? Um, I. I think some a gift that I could create a little story around. So, my so one of the, the I bought some gifts yesterday for for some children because being over here in America, uh, I I wanted something small that I could take back, and I went to this lovely place called Patelski in uh, northern Michigan, and um, by by Lake Michigan, and they have these Patelski stones, and they they have. Um, fossils of um the coral uh, that are in the stones and some of them have been polished so i bought those but the reason i bought that stone was because i when i when i came uh, when i went to 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 leave for america um uh, my my girls had and and my wife had, had had hidden three little stones in my in my bag i didn't know they were there and so when i opened them up there were these three beautiful stones uh one that was sort of shimmery and iris my youngest she said whenever it shimmers dad you'll be thinking of me and edith my 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 next oldest she she puts on a a little picture of america new york city niagara falls and and uh, plymouth on this little map that which were places that we talked about maybe going to together and then uh, my wife had put in a Claire had put in a, a lovely heart shaped stone. So I think having that, there's something about the story and the narrative that goes with things. Um, so I, a pebble that I can take back and share my my story, my journey of going to America. And I I know one of the stories I'm going to tell them is uh, one of the I, I had the chance to go with some friends to. To, to Florida, um, Glenn and Beth, who run the Way um, uh, schools, they started, I mean, I, I thought I was doing quite well with starting two schools. I, I chatted in the other day, they started over 50 schools, they're amazing people. And um, I went to stay in, in Glenn's house on in this place called Gasparilla Island, and we've been fishing, and it's, it was absolutely amazing. I saw a manatee there, uh, this a sea cow, um, and, and and it was just incredible. But it, it was Iris's birthday, and we and and so because it, it was five hours time difference, 
I wanted to ring her before school started. So we'd been up quite late till about one o'clock and I'd, I'd gone to, to sleep, set my alarm and to get up at 10 to two. And I crept outside. And um, so I, I went to, to slide open the door. And just before I started to, to open the door, I could hear this sound outside. It sounded quite loud. Anyway, I, I opened, I slid the door open and you could hear this. And I was thinking, God, that's big. And I quickly put, pulled the door closed thinking, what the hell is that? So I, I managed to find a light to, to, to put on outside and was looking out through the window. Couldn't, couldn't see anything. I, but I could still hear this sound of and this the when the taxi driver the uber driver had taken us to to um the station had been to 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 um to get the the lift over to the island had had told us about these huge constrictors i was thinking but this it sounds like a rattlesnake And 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 earlier that night we'd seen a scorpion the first scorpion i'd ever seen so i was a little bit on edge and it's like (laughs) my god this this is huge. So I, anyway, I opened the, slid the door open again and I could hear this. And I was thinking, bloody hell, that is one big snake. That is pretty huge. And anyway, as I got outside and and I I started to sort of process what was going on, I I realized it was the sprinkler under the house. (laughs) It was watering the grass. But, yeah, that's how that's how my strength is my imagination because I can use it to create really really interesting things. But my Achilles heel is certainly my imagination, especially at night, um, in the dark, in a in a new in a new place. Oh wow, <laughs> that is brilliant. That is that is brilliant. So I mean, it was going to lead me on to the next question. How have you found the the transition from the UK over to to the states? Like. But it's been great actually people have been so friendly it's it's been I, there have been certain things that you like in michigan that you really notice because the it's it gets so cold here i hadn't realized just how how cold it gets in the winter and um but the sense of space here is incredible the friendliness of people um but i think the thing that I, i've been most left with is it's just how inspiring um, you know, you as a pioneer, you kind of look for other pioneers, other people who are initiators or architects or who design things that you think are great. And it's felt like a huge privilege to be working with a team of people at Way here because they they really, really care about the young people. They don't; ju- it's not just a job to them. Um, and they've done the most amazing things, and they're pushing the boundaries left, right, and centre in a way that I love to be going on all over, not just the UK, but all over the world. They're really great people. Wow. I mean, I guess, I guess we'll do one more quick fire round, actually. If that's okay with you, Dave, I just want to be mindful of your time, really. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so let's just pretend um, you can have a billboard and it's outside of a stadium and a million people are going to empty out that stadium in five minutes' time. What message, or what would you put on that billboard for a million people to see? I don't know quite how I'd frame it, but it'd be something like, 
there's nothing missing in you. And I, and I think it would be something like that because I think, I think so often we strive to, you know, we, we, we place like happiness as a destination or, you know, I'll be successful when I've done these things, you know, whereas I, I really believe for people to be their most creative, to be, to be their most inspiring, they, they've got to connect to the fact that there's actually absolutely nothing missing in them and there never was. There might be loads of things that they want to develop and get better at and do differently and all of those kind of things. But the idea that there's nothing missing in you, I think that would be a great message to get out to a million people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like that. I like that a lot. So I guess... If I was to say to you, who, who's a free? I mean, you know, assuming people are active on, on, on social media and whatnot, who would you recommend the free people everybody should be following? Oh, that's that's a good question. Um, one one would definitely be Amy Burrell. Um, Amy is, I just love her posts. The they range from profound to profoundly ridiculous and humorous and she's just got this amazing mind uh, and is very, very playful. I love her book, um, Intention. Uh, it's, yeah, uh, she would definitely be be, be, be one of them. Um, Andrew Brewerton, I'm not sure whether he's, how, no, I'm not sure whether I would. Andrew is somebody I'd, if I had to recommend you having a conversation with someone, Andrew would definitely be one, but I'm going to hold that one back from it. Um, I definitely follow um, Pep Guardiola or, or one of the Man City um, websites. I, that's, I, are you blue or red? I'm a red. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe, that, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you've got more to learn then. Um, no, I, was thinking, I was sharing with somebody the other night about how painful it used to be in the in the 90s. I remember 99 when you when you got the treble. Yes. And and it just it, yeah, it just dreading seeing my friends who were you know, friends. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll rub that one in a little bit. Um, and uh, Steve Wheeler, I, Steve's post, I, I don't know whether you come across him. He, he, he does um, a lot around e-learning. And um, I always, they, it's a bit like what you were talking about earlier. He, he always drives through not just about the technology, but about something that's much more about community and people. And he shares those things in a really personal way, which I always, I always really enjoy. I, I remember his posts which is great. Okay. Okay. And I'll, I'll put all them names and stuff in the, in the show notes as well. Definitely. Well, even, even Pep. I'll, yeah. I'll put them in there and then just put, you know, a line for it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, and I guess, yeah, let's just wrap up, I guess. So if, if you used to give, I don't know, five tips to somebody either coming into I mean, we've, I kind of wanted to ask a question about what you think the future of education is, but I feel like I feel like you're already there in a way. But I guess if you if it was someone who's coming into education or coming into the corporate environment, what five top tips would you give, Dave? I think the first one would be about keeping 
on working on being in integrity. Um, you know, I, I like the idea that integrity is a mountain with no top. It's not, it's not something that you, you, you can just say, yeah, I, I've got integrity. You have to keep on working at it. And that not just uh, being your word, but valuing your word, honoring your word, um, trying trying to do the right thing. So, it, yeah, being in integrity would be my first and foremost. I think so much happens if you do that. Um, I think being playful, you know, rec- and the, fl- the the flip side of this, sort of my second and third kind of go together is recognizing when you you're adding too much significance in. Um, I think sometimes that can be, um, you know, you could. You, you can take yourself too seriously, get wrapped up in your own ego and all those kind of things. So I think it's really, you know, that, that being playful is a great antidote to, to taking yourself too seriously, whether you need a, a rattlesnake or not is another thing. But um, I, I think, I think there's one about, uh, about not going slowly. Um, I think sometimes you can rationalize why not to do things. Um, so going fast, going for it, just, you know, um, that, that would be another bit of advice. And, and my final bit would be not, not to get hooked into the, to, to the money side of it. Cause I think some of the best experiences I've had, um, and things that have late later led to me getting some really well-paid jobs have, have been because I, I didn't just follow a linear path. I, I I followed my nose. I went with the things that sounded to me like I would learn more. Um, you know, like like coming here. I I, I didn't know what it was going to be like, but I was really excited by what I was going to learn by coming to to work with Way. Okay, perfect, great, thank you. Um, I guess we just kind of yeah, two more questions and then we're done. I mean. At the beginning of a session, at the beginning of a session, at the beginning of a podcast, I asked you to name some some numbers, pick some numbers. Um, yeah. And then numbers tally up to some random list of items on my list. Okay. Okay, so the items which you've got are a spoon, a slipper, a stop sign, a hanger, and a boom box. And the idea is you're on a you're on a beach, maybe yeah, let's call it a little island, deserted island, just you. What are you doing with these items, Dave? Well, I think I'm gonna be singing with Amy. Okay. I think I think that yeah, I I think with the uh, the spoon, I I'll play spoons, I'd probably best not singing. She's got a good voice, hasn't she? So I, I have you seen those the, those um things done on YouTube with the with, with, with the uh, sort of history and, and yeah. taking pop songs from the 80s. I, I love those. So that would be fun. That 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 would be good. I think I'd be singing with her. Um, I think there'd have to be some sort of competition with my kids and my wife as well. Just something random. I'm sure Iris, I'd leave that bit to Iris to design because she will come up with the most ridiculous competition. And it will therefore be the most fun. So that would be something that I'll be uh, I'd be doing. Um, and if I could make something to catch fish as well, I really enjoyed that when I went. I've been fishing for years, and went went when we went to Florida, and uh, that was really um, 
that was a special thing to do. To, but I don't. I'd have to turn up something like to turn the the boombox up so loud the sonic boom would bring some fish up to the water, so I could just <laughs> pick them up and then check them on the barbie. I love it. I love it. So I guess going full circle and, and coming to the end now, um, you know, I asked you the question at the beginning, Dave, when you was a teacher, what is it you wanted to be when you grow up? And as you, as you know, we kind of, we, we const- we're constantly growing. We never really stop developing and we should constantly be challenging and trying to be better. If I was asked to ask you this question now, Dave, what is it you want to be when you grow up? What would you say? I, I think I still want to be James T. Kirk. Yeah. I've got to practice my forward roles. That's what, that's all. I'm nearly there. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Well, I mean, where where can people find out about, you know, the stuff, what you're up to? How can we support you? Where can we follow you? Oh, yeah. No, please. So um, you, you can follow me on Twitter, that day, Strudwick. Um, but if you want to know more about Way um, and the, the, the great people there, just go to wayprogram.net and there's loads of things that explain about the schools, the mission of the, you know, the, the great, great group of people that are involved there. And like I said, we're just in the process of setting up an um, American school online where you can study for the American high school diploma anywhere in the world um, with, a, with a view that, you know, that could open up things for for some young people to to come over to to the states to study, um, and also you know that sort of level of personalisation and agility in learning, project based approach, all those things that I've been been talking about today sort of come together in 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 one funky place. Awesome. Well, Liv, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think I could have easily talked with you for another a good another hour and a half, to be honest. Um, Thank you. It's been great talking to you, Danny. Even though you're a red, I've enjoyed it too. So, and I, yeah, if we would have had another hour and a half, we could have talked about the 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 merits of um, of of different managers and uh, and different directions and and types of buses to park and all sorts of things. I think maybe maybe what we could definitely do is we could definitely save that for maybe a, a part two. Definitely. Part two. Okay. <laughs> okay. Awesome. I'll look for that. Awesome. Thanks very much, Dave. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.